0: I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 9 of the Parenting Aces podcast. Yes, we are all still staying at home in the midst of COVID-19. I hope all of you out there are healthy and well, and your loved ones are healthy and well, and I hope you are all Heeding the advice of our medical and science community to stay distance, stay at home, except for essential trips out of the house and finding ways to maintain your sanity through all of this. It is is an unusual time for sure. Um, I am very lucky to be staying at home with my husband. I am not so lucky in that my kids are not here with me. They're in driving distance, but not physically with me, which has been really challenging. And I I will say that um, the longer this goes on, you know, the more we're starting to rely on different technological resources to stay connected with one another. I think that's really important during this time. But enough about that, because I know we're all inundated with COVID-19 news This week's podcast is with John O'Sullivan of Changing the Game Project. And those of you who have been around a while may have heard my previous podcasts with John, may have read some of his articles that I've reposted on parentingaces.com. He is a soccer coach. He works in the world of soccer, but his work transcends soccer for sure. And he is just doing such great stuff out there. The latest project that John has been involved in is a new book, and it's called Every Moment Matters, How the World's Best Coaches Inspire Their Athletes and Build Championship Teams. And when John says championship teams, he's not just talking about trophies and medals and ribbons. He is talking about creating championship human beings and The coaches that are able to do that and how they go about doing it and what the role of the parent is in that process. And in fact, he devotes an entire chapter of this new book on how coaches and parents need to be working together to develop champions, both on the court and in the world. So I'm really excited that John was able to join us. As you'll hear, he is at home right now with his wife and two kids, trying his best to stay connected to the athletes that he coaches and to the coaches that he coaches as well. But I think you're going to enjoy hearing from him, hearing what he's doing to keep his athletes engaged during this stay-at-home time and what we as a tennis community can learn from him. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with John O'Sullivan. I am so happy to have you back on the show, John O'Sullivan. It's been a little while since we've chatted, not that long, but you've had a lot going on. Fill us in.
1: (laughs) Well, it took me this long to write another book, so it's not your fault, it's my fault.
0: But we don't only talk when you have a book. Well, maybe we kind of. No, do that. it's true. It's true. But
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it's been you. Know, you and I first connected right in the beginning of changing the game project, and when my first book came out, and as it evolved from a book to a blog and a and a community around. Transforming the youth sport experience to uh, a big coaching community as well, and now about three years ago we started our own podcast. Uh, definitely partially inspired by you because uh, I love this format of talking about ideas, and so now the way a champions podcast is, um, you know, three years into it and doing great, and and finally I was like, you know, this past year I was like, I, I got to get this coaching book done, and so. Uh, yeah, put pen to paper last summer and December of 2019. My new book for coaches called "Every Moment Matters" came out, and so uh, yeah, it's it's been quite the quite the wild ride of speaking all over the world and and teaching and now doing a lot of virtual teaching because of the world we live in. And it's uh it's uh it's it's great how it constantly evolves. But I think people are hungry for this type of trusted information.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I think you sell yourself a little bit short because changing the game project has really become a movement. I mean, it's not just about a book or a website or a podcast or presentation. This is a worldwide, a global movement to give youth sports back to the kids, right? I mean, that's that's what your impetus was in the beginning. It seems to me yeah. that you have really stayed true, yeah <laughs> you're so modest yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, 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 would, <laughs> I, would,
1: I would say that it it's been you know people ask me like I'll get calls all the time, people wanting to build some sort of business like this and and they so say, you know well, what was your one year plan or what was your five year plan? I was like I, I never had one because if I had one it would have always been wrong you know I, I just, I, it wouldn't have been right and so I've been okay you know I have sort of a vision um, directed you know by sort of some, some principles and some ideas of where we want to go but um, I have definitely um, never said oh this is the plan because things would have changed and so yeah I, I like that it's a, a movement and I think We've been bolstered along the way by fantastic organizations like the Aspen Institute and their Project Play initiative and other people, even just in their communities, saying, Hey, we we can do better than this. We can change this up. And so I think, you know, it's great. And and now the problem is not a lack of information for people. It's understanding that we, we can't just give more information to change behavior. We need to, uh, as the Heath brothers say, uh, direct the elephant as well. Like right? yeah. the emotional, like we got to make it emotional. To you know, it, you can't just be more facts and figures. The data is very clear. How do we emotionally get people to do something a little different in sports? And I, you know, I definitely did not think that there was going to be a, a, a global pandemic, but who knows if this is the paradigm shifting moment where everyone has to stop and reassess and say, what is the value that sport brings to my family? What do we miss? What do we like about it? What do we like about not having sport and dinner together every night, not driving all over the place, not spending all our money on this? Where can we find a happy median? And I hope maybe that some good comes out of all this disruption, which is a terrible time, but maybe this will help bring sport back to what the kids need. need. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, one of my favorite things happening right now is the videos that families are posting of their kids getting creative with physical activity and not just the kids, the whole family is getting creative, you know, and depending on the age of the kids in the household, it might be, you know, playing with balloons or it might be playing with balls and, you know, canned goods. I mean, they're just, there are all sorts of things happening in homes around the world right now as a response to being quote stuck at home and maybe this creativity, like you said, is, you know, maybe it's going to stick and maybe it's going to translate once we do come out of this and find our new normal, whatever that means. Um, you know, maybe our kids are going to be the big winners in all of this. I sure hope so. I hope somebody's.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my son who's 12 has, he, he just released his first video of trick shots. It's a, it's a, a combination of soccer trick shots, little mini ball trick shots, and ping pong ball trick shots, and, and you know he probably spent 16 hours trying to capture all these different things that he then edited and distilled down to a minute and a half video. But but it's great, and I sent it out. I'm actually going to write a blog about it here soon, and and it was just really cool because it was like, you know what? He he spent that time mm-hmm. working and conceiving and creating. And, and, you know, part of it too was, you know, he was still, you know, practicing soccer and juggling a ball and and doing things, or we would go and practice. And then the the thing was, okay, let's go practice for 40 minutes. And then afterwards, I'll stay after with you and help you come up with this trick shot. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of this father son time as well, or my daughter's been part of it as well, but it's been really cool. And he sent it out and our soccer, local soccer club shared it with everyone, uh, Uh, yesterday and all of a sudden like all these people were like calling in like wow where where did tj come up with those ideas i'm like well he because he wasn't playing video games right (laughs) you know right
0: (laughs) right and he wasn't in a structured soccer environment he was left with some freedom to get creative which is one of the messages that you hammer home multiple times in this book which is one of the things i i this book is, it's become my new Bible, um, I have to say. And again, it's called Every Moment Matters for those of you who missed the beginning here. But one of the things I really love, John, that you did is you devoted an entire chapter to parents in this book. And, you know, this is a book for coaches. Um, It is to help coaches be better. But I love that you carved out a place for the parents and to help parents understand why it's important for us to give our sports back to our kids. And you're a soccer coach and you come from the soccer world, but the lessons you impart transcend soccer. They, they really permeate not just sports. They permeate any activity that a child might be involved in.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, the big thing for me was when I wrote this book sort of, it was like, what's everything that a coach should learn in coaching school, coaching certification that they don't get taught. Right. And I don't think coaches are hurting for uh, a lack of X's and O's or practice sessions, regardless of sport. Right. If, if you can't, if you can spell the Google, like you can find anything you want from a practice standpoint, all the way from some crazy fangled training device to great information and a development plan by your sport governing body. But I felt like there's a lot of things that go into coaching, mentorship, leadership that get brushed over or don't even get mentioned at all. And so that's what this book was really about. And, you know, after 150 podcast episodes talking to NCAA champion coaches, uh, I mean, we had, um, uh, Bob, uh, Dick Gould from Stanford on in the tennis world. We had Bob Hansen, Santa Cruz, and Middlebury. I mean, between those guys, there's, you know, almost 20 national championships there, I think, or something, you know. To Steve Kerr, to all these different coaches, Anson Dorrance, a World Cup-winning soccer coach, it was like, what did these coaches talk about over and over and over? Um and it was things like, it's about relationships. It's about connecting. It's about engaging the other influential people in their life. And so if you're coaching you sports, I mean, there's no one more influential in your athletes than, than um, their parents. And this idea right. that we're going to say to parents, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Don't make eye contact with me. Um, it's it just, it's not realistic. It doesn't make sense. And so um, this was just this opportunity to say, hey, here's how you can engage with parents. Here's a little blueprint for it. Here's what's acceptable. Here's what's not.
0: Yeah. And I mean, what I really liked is that you took time to really spell out for coaches how to effectively engage parents and how to set boundaries, because that's an important piece of this, too you know, especially, well, I won't say especially, the tennis world's really the only one I know. So (laughs) everything I say is kind of based Mm -hmm. on that. But, you know, our tennis coaches are in a bind right now. Um, They're not able to be out there earning their living coaching these kids as are coaches in all the sports right now. But You know, one of the things that I've been trying to do is to encourage the coaches to to get creative, you know, use this time, find a way to stay valuable, stay relevant to the families that you work with and to the families, encouraging them to continue to support their coaches if they feel like they're getting something of value during this time. So it's a two-way street, but if you've alienated the parents, then... You're really in trouble right now.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And you and you cut out there a, a little bit, but I think what you're really trying to say was like, yeah, you know, we as a coach, it has to be more. You know, I'm, I'm rereading this great biography by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's called Coach Wooden and Me, right? And 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 he talks about what happened in their four in their you know couple of years together at UCLA. There's nothing compared to their 50-year-long friendship, right? And and that's this transformational coach, this figure, this person who sticks with you, and, and uh, it has its ups and downs and its difficult moments. But I I think you really hit the nail on the head that as a as a coach of any sport, if I have not contributed anything beyond the the, the development of the athlete or it's this completely transactional relationship of like, I teach skill. Um, that's the only thing you pay me for. I don't care about the human being. Well, you're out of luck when we can get back out there again because people are going to start to see this. Right. And, and, um, those who invest in the person, those are the ones who their kids are going, man, I miss coach Tim. I, I miss coach Jen. Um, right. And, and that's what they want. And I, and I think this is so, so critical because, you know, I, I just, I've been coaching almost 30 years now, and I'm getting these random emails from players of all different parts of my coaching past of, Hey, coach, just checking in, making sure your family's good. I'm doing good. I'm here in New York. I'm here there and that are unsolicited. Um, mm-hmm. but it's just like that kind of thing says this wasn't just about teaching someone how to how to kick a ball and so again I really hope this is the reset button in coaching of like what what am I giving to this athlete beyond the court because if the answer is not much um I'm not really I'm just a trainer I'm not really a coach and I'm going to be out of work here soon Mm-hmm.
0: You know, one of the things that jumped out at me, John, was the message that kept coming through in this book, and it it comes through in all of your work, but that to have a lasting impact on an athlete, a young athlete especially, it's not about being the nice, sweet, you know, always complimentary coach. It's about being the honest coach. It's about being the, the signpost for the athlete about right and wrong and holding the athlete accountable when they make the wrong decision or a poor decision. And how we as parents oftentimes view coaches like that as being too harsh and not someone we want our child exposed to when a lot of the time, that's exactly what our kid needs. And those are the coaches that our children remember well after they're done playing. And I'd love for you to kind of talk about the challenge as a coach of finding that balance. And I know you write a lot about athlete-centered coaches and, and you know that you have to coach each individual. You can't coach a team per se, but Mm -hmm. you have to look at each athlete as an individual and coach to that. But how do you balance developing that trust and that warmth and that deep relationship with also, you know, making sure that the athlete's doing what they are supposed to do?
1: Yeah. And the the quote that I love and I talked about in the book was one that Dan Coyle wrote about the culture code. He was talking about Greg Popovich, the Spurs coach, who said, you know, he'll tell you the truth and he'll love you to death. Yeah. And I think that is just a perfect description, right? Kids don't need, or athletes don't need more fans, right? Fans are fickle. Um, they need someone who will tell them the truth, who will hold them accountable. But it also can't be a constant barrage of this is what you're doing wrong, this is what you're doing wrong, right? It also has to be you know, you got to catch them being good. I saw you do that. Now let's do this next. You know, look at what you've become. You, you know, if you played yourself last year, you'd you'd crush yourself right now because you've gotten so much better, right? And so, it's it's realizing what every individual needs, holding them accountable to a standard, constantly pushing the the, the envelope, and, and really. You know, taking them on this journey to a place they probably wouldn't get to on their own and, and a place that they've never been. And, and that's coaching. And I think the more that we recognize that um, kids don't need someone who tells them that they're good all the time. You know, you think back to your teacher who is your easy teacher. Think back to your coach who always said, oh, great job today, even though when you knew you didn't do a great job those aren't the people you necessarily invite to your wedding. You know, right. like th- those aren't the ones that really said, you've got more in you than you're showing do more. Those are the ones that change lives. And and every kid needs at least one of those in his or her life. And every one of us who's a coach has the opportunity to be that person. And we'll never be that for everybody. Right. But we can certainly be better people ourselves and invest in ourselves so that we have the best chance of, of reaching those kids when they're ready to learn.
0: Well, but the other piece of that is that we as parents have become so hyper aware of what coaches are saying, how they're saying it, what's happening on the court, in the locker room, before and after, yada, yada, and we all talk amongst ourselves and these opinions get kind of worked out in the stands among the parents and then get kind of blown up and blown out of proportion. And we end up really hurting our kids by not having a clear line of communication between the coach and the parent and what i mean by that is and this is something i've i've been talking about for a really long time is i feel like there are coaches out there who are not doing a good enough job communicating their philosophy clearly at the beginning you know from day 1 communicating their expectations clearly and Checking in on a regular basis so that everybody feels like everybody's being held accountable for what's happening. And one of the things you describe in the parenting chapter is an exercise that you recommend that coaches do with their athletes and with the parents at the beginning of each relationship. Well, in soccer, you do it at the beginning of the season, but tennis doesn't really have that. So I'm I'm, I'm just kind of going to, yeah, I'm going to just kind of say you have to do it, you know, when you first start with that relationship, can you talk about that exercise and what you have personally found as a result of doing it with your athletes and your parents and how it can be adapted to a sport like tennis, where you don't have specific seasons.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this is the idea. I think you're talking about like goal setting, exercise, and things like that. Correct.
0: And what's important, and what you want to get yeah. out of the season. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And, and so, you know, there's a couple things that we can do as coaches. Um, uh, number one, you know, I as you were saying all that, I, I think. I, I always like the phrase, and I don't know who said it right. Our, our job is not to prepare the past for the child, but prepare the child for the past, yeah. right? And so yeah. there's supposed to be ups and downs and difficult things. And so our greatest role as a parent is is how do we prepare our kids for the ups and downs that, that sport and all its good and all its struggle will bring? And um, I think one of the things that's really um, important is that coaches and parents should be working together on this. And so there's there's two things there. Number one, you know, I always like my kids to set their goals. Right? What are your individual goals for this season? What are your team goals? Um, and then I like the parents to do the same thing right? So what are your individual goals for this next year? And and what are your, you know, maybe not team goals so much in the tennis world, but then see if they're aligned. Because if your child's reasons for being there are different than yours, you're going to be butting heads all the time. And you really have to understand why your kids are there. And you can push other ideas, but right, your kids are not going to get out of bed at 6am to work out if, you know, their goal for playing tennis is to have fun and, and see my friends at practice, you know? And so that is a difficult thing. But then number two, what I recommend is that coaches and, and, and parents get on the same page. So from a team perspective, what, what I might do is, is say, you know, you know, from a parent perspective, what are your goals for your child this season Uh, Number two, like what do you want their experience to be like if they don't achieve those things so that they're not a starter, they're not all league or they're not an All-American or whatever that is. Um, Number three, what would you like your parent experience to be like? Uh, Number four, um, you know, how can you contribute to that experience? (laughs) Right. So and these things are in writing, which is important. Right. So I don't necessarily publish, this is what Sally's mom said. But it's like, I have it down of like, hey, this is what all of you said you would like the parent experience to be like, and how you're going to contribute to that so that when you're doing the opposite, I will hold you accountable for it. And then how can the coaches help you have that experience? And I think at first, most parents are shocked that the coach actually cares about their experience that they're like, wow, this is great. And then they don't trust you. Like, why do you want this information? But eventually they realize that, well, you're in it because I'm still the coach and you're still the parent, but your experience matters here um, and your contribution to that experience matters. And what most parents want that answer to that last question is just communicate better, communicate better, especially right now to get back to your previous point. Um, when you're not seeing them once or twice a week, when you're not at practice, I mean, I'm doing a virtual practice every week with, um, the boys that I coach now. And and it's really 15 minutes of me and, and 45 minutes of, uh, 12 year old boys being 12 year old boys, but they get to see their friends, their teammates to laugh at each other, to have fun. And I did the first one. And the next day I got like eight parents were like, wow, my son had so much fun there. When's the next one. Right. And because everyone's locked in their house, and so this is this opportunity of like, wow, this coach is still delivering, even though he's not on the field, even though they're not working on their team tactics, he's still giving them this experience and this connection to their sport and their team. So you know that the moment we're done, it's like, boom, when can we get back together again?
0: Talk a little bit about that virtual coaching experience, because I, I think, you know, maybe the tennis coach is tuning in and, and the parents maybe can learn, too. Um, this might be something that translates over. What are you doing specifically? What platform are you using and what does the session look like?
1: Sure. I mean, I use Zoom, and I I open the room early so they can get on early before I start, which is, you know, half the fun. And then, you know, I'll turn on my camera and, and or turn off my video and mute my microphone. And then sometimes I'll just watch 12-year-olds being 12-year-olds, which is pretty funny, right? And then I'll jump in and... um just uh, you know, have them all there, and it's usually just like a little word of how's everyone doing. Anyone have any cool stories? We have little you know team trick shot competition, and we're setting up like a team. We broke our group into three groups, and we're doing uh, sort of a fitness standards competition, and uh, trick shot competition, and amount of time on the ball competition, the amount of time spent watching soccer competition. And we're going to come up with a winning group and that group is going to get, you know, dinner served to them by the other group or something, whatever we come up with as a prize. But the idea is they're investing, but they're also investing each other. Right. And they're holding each other accountable. So if you're not watching soccer, it's hurting our whole group. Please get out there and watch some games um and so it's fun and it's nice and we tell stories and we see each other and I kids send in a video of a cool trick shot and I get to compliment them for it and do that but I'm also encouraging them like how are you working on on your game in this moment um because we had talked about as a group like you know technically we are behind some of the teams that we're playing and I'm like well this is the perfect time to catch up because you've got nothing but time right now. And you've got no one to play with, or maybe a sibling or a mom or dad. And so, you know, just like I think a tennis player can be uh, hitting balls against the wall. So can a soccer player. Right. And, and you can be catching up um, and, and improving this part of your game and also having fun with it as well. So it shouldn't just be work. And I think if we, you know, I can just, it can just be a weekly reminder and it doesn't have to be a lot, but I I think this virtual practice is one of the most important things. And, and, you know, my friend James Leith sort of recommended it and I tried it and I, I loved it and I've recommended it since. And then my whole soccer club here is, you know, said, Oh, we're going to have a coaches meeting. and We're going to mandate that every coach is doing virtual practices every week because it's so much fun and the kids love it. And so I think this is just one of those other things that sets our club up. To, this is a transformational experience. This is something that goes beyond showing up a couple of days a week for practice and games on the weekends.
0: And I suspect this is one of those things that is going to stick with these kids the rest of their lives, right? There there was that time back in 2020, where we all had to stay home for weeks on end. And guess what we got to do? You know, um, I saw this
1: the great thing, Lisa, this uh, elementary school principal, and it was just going around social media, how he said, you know, every kid, they should keep a journal right now, because this is going to be A moment in our lives that we all look back on, like you just said, remember the time when school was canceled for the year. There was no sports. We had to stay at home. Right. What's going through your head? And he said, you know, write your thoughts. What are you doing with your time? What are you learning? What are you interested in? Interview your parents. Talk about how they're dealing with their work or lack of work their stresses and then keep this thing because someday you'll look, you'll want to read that journal again. And that's one of the things I'm going to tell my boys tomorrow night is I think you all should keep a journal. Cause I think this is a pretty cool idea.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great idea. And you know, tennis players are encouraged to journal after matches to make notes about their competitor and you know, what happened at specific points in the match so that they can learn from that and and go over that with their coaches, or if they're working with a sports psychologist or a mental training specialist, you know they can review that stuff. But this time that we're experiencing right now, John, is it's like nothing else, right? And and hopefully we're never going to experience it again in our lifetimes. Hopefully this mm-hmm. is our one and done for something this crazy and out of the ordinary. Um, There's so many lessons to be learned right now while we're at home with our families. And it's funny because at the beginning of the shelter at home order, and I'm in California, and so our order came pretty early, not as early as yours, I understand, but but it came pretty early. And at first my husband and I were saying, Oh my gosh, we're so lucky that we don't have little kids right now. Can you imagine, you know, being stuck at home with A house full of young children and trying to make sure they're doing their schoolwork and make sure they're not killing each other. And they're, you know, doing healthy behaviors and not engaging in things you wouldn't want them to engage in. But as this has gone on, my children are all adults living on their own. What I'm experiencing now is I wish to God my kids were young enough to still be at home. I hate that I'm not able to be with them and hug them and you know, be part of their lives on an intimate level right now, it's really difficult. And I, I suspect that's what you're talking about, you know, documenting these feelings and trying to remember what it's like so that we can tell these stories later on. And the role of our athletic coaches can be really significant right now, as you're demonstrating clearly with these practices with your team.
1: Yeah. uh, And and again, I think it's, it's so important and, and I'm blessed, right? My kids are 12 and 14. So they're at this age where they can manage themselves most of the day in terms of their schoolwork and exercise. And we can go on a bike ride together. We can go on a hike together. We can do some things when we do get outside in our neighborhood. Um, versus having yeah kids just locked in you can't go to the playground like that that would have been really tough um, so and I'm very blessed that I have flexibility in my work schedule and 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 so does my wife that we, we can we can be around them as well and, and do things with them but I think again yes this is an amazing time for reflection and for the um, where, where coaches can be that voice because let's face it right now we're a couple weeks into this here in Oregon and in California and it's a long way to go kids are starting to get sick of their parents voice <laughs> right? yeah and and so hearing from a coach uh i need you to do this i want you to do this is everything okay these are just moments of you know just face time with somebody else that invests in them and cares about them I think as a, a I do this in a team environment. So there's 25 kids on there at once. I think, let's just talk safe sport for a moment. I don't think if I was a tennis coach of 12 year olds, I'd be having one-on-one Zoom calls with my kids, right? Like I'd want an adult there or at least I'd record them just to be safe, right? We have to think about safe sport in these moments as well especially with regards to electronic communication, but man, you can invest in them. And, And again, if I'm a tennis coach and I have a bunch of athletes that I work with, I mean, why not build some camaraderie amongst them of getting them all together at the same time as well? Right. Like, hey, I'll do something individual. But, you know, once a week, let's, you know, get all of you on there because maybe one of you is going to inspire someone else to work hard. Maybe a senior 16 year old kid is going to inspire that 11 year old who hasn't been practicing much and looks up to him and goes, wow, he's he's working way harder than I am and he's already better than me. I I better work. So I, I don't think it even has to be one on one calls. It's just like, hey, I just want to connect with you all, make sure it's all good. And like you know we we have the tools to do this fifteen years ago we we couldn't, but right. now we do. And so practice should not and but more importantly, our connection, our relationship should not be put on pause right now,
0: well, and all of those things that you were talking about in terms of the challenges that you're doing with your teams, that can absolutely be done in tennis, right? I mean, you know, kids can record themselves doing trick shots, doing, you know, how many volleys can you hit up against your garage wall? Um, You know, there are all sorts of things that coaches can devise for the kids they work with to bring the kids together and encourage them to stay in that competitive mindset in a healthy way. So this doesn't have to be a time of just isolation and, you know, putting sport aside, it should be a time to figure out a better way or a different way to engage. And, you know, kind of following up on that, John, I want to talk a little bit about the whole um, coaching, coaching the individual athlete, athlete athlete-centered coaching, as you call it, um, where you are focused on the development of the whole athlete as opposed uh-huh. to just being outcome-based, right? And well,
1: the, whole, the whole person.
0: The whole person. And not just right. the
1: athlete. Yeah, yeah.
0: Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I misspoke there. Um, and how coaches can communicate that that's their philosophy to the parents and then help the parents become more – long-term oriented rather than just focusing on results all the time?
1: Well, I think number one, let's look what goes into results, right? And, and especially, you know, with young kids, it's early maturity. It's, you know, what, what's your age group? You grow first, you know, are you a 13 year old boy with a mustache or a 13 year old boy who looks like he's ten? right? Mm-hmm. Like you, these things all play seriously into results. And so recognizing that this is a journey and one of the most important things we can do as a parent is, is be patient, right? Be patient that there's going to be ups and downs and you're going to have growing pains and you're going to have difficult times. Like that's okay. Right. Um, but number two, no matter how good you are at, at, at tennis, it's, Even if you become a pro, you're still going to have two thirds of your life that are off the court. Right. So what 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 did you want to gain from tennis that will help you with most of your life? And it's such an amazing sport, number one, because you can play it your whole life. But number two, um, because you can learn these things and because you're out there by yourself, you can't blame your teammates, you can't blame your coach you know, it's on you in this moment, man, that can prepare you so well. So if the, the lessons that you're getting are, you know, at four, four cheat, right. Or at, Mm -hmm. um, you know, or how to cut a corner here, um, to, to get a result, you know, it might play well in this match this weekend and you might win the tournament, but that eventually catches up with you. And it's not going to play well in the rest of your life when, you know, right now, you know, someone calling you for cheating, you argue against it. You you cheat in the business world. You end up in jail. Right. And so I, I think. Theoretically. Supposedly, <laughs> supposedly. Right. Yeah. theoretically, yeah. You're right. Um, so I think this is really critical that like if we can as coaches, I mean, I, I've never met a collegiate coach, say, you know, who said this about an athlete, like, what a great player, but boy, that is a high character individual. We don't want him around. We don't want her around. Right. Right. So it's like, you know, so this idea that you, you, you can't teach character um, along with this is silly. Now I do, I think that um, high level performance has, you know, the evidence, the research would say that there is a level of ruthlessness and selfishness that goes along with that to train that well and, and that long and that hard. You, you have to give up other things and be about yourself, but overall it, it doesn't mean that you have to forsake any human development to create this tennis robot. Right. And, and I think the, the coach, you know, there, there's plenty of examples <clears throat> of supremely talented athletes who make it to the highest level, who don't have the mental skills and the character skills to stay there or to continue their development. And when you crash and burn at that level, it's usually very public and very humiliating.
0: True. But how do you as a coach help the parents of your players understand when you're in a slump during a season, how do you mm. keep the parents from going nuts and saying, well, you know, it's just because you're not a good coach, I'm putting my kid on a different team?
1: Well, uh, again, if you're constantly investing, if you're making it enjoyable, if the child is progressing and you're communicating with those parents, one bad match is usually not going to make them leave. But if none of that kind of transformational connection exists, then, uh, and if you build your whole coaching relationship with the parent on look how much we win, well, then of course, when you don't win, well, what else is there? But, um, you, you know, you, when you're, I, I think there's, like we were saying before, there's so many reasons that you may win or lose. And so a, a great coach parent relationship in an individual sport like tennis is this back and forth communication of, well, here's what I see. Here's what um, is working well right now. Here's what needs work. Um, And, you know, here's the statistics on that last match where, you know, first serve percentage was this. So that's something that we really need to work on um, because we're not going to win many matches with 10% first serve percentage. Right. And so that's part of the process. But I think a coach who, Keeps coming back to the process is 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 really you know one of the most important things that you can do. And if you get the parents to buy into that process, then you're going to be in a good position. Now, guess what? People are always going to leave, right? You're never going to be everything for everybody. And I think as a coach, you also have to be okay with that. That these are my principles. This is what I stand for. And um, we're not going to cut these corners so we can win today, right? In in the soccer world, I don't know what the tennis equivalent is of it, but in the soccer world, right? I, I could take my nine-year-old soccer players and say, uh, put one kid in the back who can kick it pretty far and put another really fast kid up front and say, just kick it over the top as often as possible because eventually they'll screw up and we'll score some goals. But four years from now, when everyone's fast and people can read that, Well, guess what? That doesn't work anymore. And now I haven't developed any players either. Mm -hmm. So I, as a soccer coach, am always saying, yes, we might lose today. And I know we can kick it over the top to Johnny and win all our games. But what I promise you is that when you're 16, we cannot kick it over the top to Johnny to win all our games. Right. So if we want to be successful when we're 16, we might have to do some different things that don't all always necessarily make us win all our matches when we're 10
0: right in tennis that would be the drop shot lob combo in the 10 and (laughs) others
1: right so you you, yeah if you were really good at that you could win all your matches
0: yeah exactly yeah Yeah. (laughs) so how is social media playing into the coach parent relationship and this whole obsession with winning and trophies and being the champion and what do we do about it?
1: Well, I think it's hard. And, and and you know this, is because no one posts their eighth place ribbon, right? Like, oh here here here's little Johnny, he came in eighth again. Like no mm-hmm. one posts that, right? So when you right. are looking at your feed, you're looking at examples of everyone else's best self or the self they want to portray publicly. But no mm-hmm. one's like that inside, right? And and so we end up comparing how everyone else looks on the outside to how we feel on the inside. And it can make us as parents feel very inadequate, or it can make us feel like we're letting our kids down because they're not doing as well. But I I think, you know, and, and I'm also constantly shocked by the stories of parents posting absolutely horrible things on social media about their coach or even about their kids, teammates or clubmates, and then getting totally offended when that gets back to the coach. Mm -hmm. Like you, 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 you know, I mean, I tell my own kids, like anything, anytime you snap a picture or anytime you post something, you better, it better be something that you're not embarrassed that your mom or dad are going to read because chances are we're going to read it right? (laughs) or someone's going to share it. Right. And so, you know, just use it wisely. Um, And, and I mean, there's huge research now on, the amount of time spent on social media directly correlates with higher levels of depression and anxiety and all these other things. So there's really not a lot of good stuff that comes out of spending hours surfing the internet to see how your kid's competition is, is, is doing out there because it's not really a, a real world um, and, and stuff now, right. Is, you know, something how like can YouTube, we turn that around? Though,
0: how can we turn that around what can coaches do what can parents do to to make it stop being about the trophy
1: i mean i, I don't know you know it, it, it's 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 hard it's really really hard um, and as I a coach so what are
0: you posting I mean, I, I follow you changing the game. You don't post anything about the kids. You, have
1: you ever seen me post anything no. about how my teams do or how my kids no. are doing? No. no, nothing. Right. The only thing I post sometimes is if I catch a big fish, right? Like <laughs> that's, a, that, that's it. Or like, hey, here's me and my family on top of a mountain skiing. Love it here. This is what I love best. Right. Or this is a yeah. camping. But you've never seen me post anything about how my own kids are. Are, are doing in sports, or that they got good grades, or something like that, because I don't think that's really uh, appropriate. Nor is it anyone's uh, anyone's business. Like you know, whatever. And and I just I, I just don't think you know I post like my son's display of creativity with his video. Sure, I think that's a little different. You know, that's not like hey, look what we won because we didn't win anything. Just like, mm-hmm. look how we're spending our time. And so um, if I didn't have a business that relies so heavily on social media, I would delete every account and never be on there personally. My wife with is lucky she's done that. She's done yeah. that.
0: <laughs> yeah. My husband has done that as well. Well, he never was on in the first place, but Amen. yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I I have to be out there and It is a challenge and there are coaches, especially in the tennis world. And I, again, you know, I don't know enough about the soccer world to speak to that, but the tennis coaches, there are some out there who will say to you, I get business based on the fact that I'm promoting how many of my kids I've gotten, you know, D1 scholarships for and how many of my kids won national tournaments and yada, yada. You know, that's how I get business. That's how I market. So, yeah. And, and I, think, what you I don't saying? think there's
1: anything. I, I mean, I, I, again, it's 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 how you do it. Right. And so, you know, if if that's the only thing. Right. And because, again, I'm sure, you know, some some of those coaches who do that. And you're like, man, that coach. She's amazing. Right. She's yeah. incredible with the kids. I would pay lots of money to have my kid coached by her. And then there's some of those coaches who are the exact opposite. And you're like, they couldn't pay me money to get anywhere near my kids. And, mm-hmm. and so I think having that, that, that message, posting that because this is good for business or saying, Hey, you know, our, our lacrosse club has won three national championships. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that because yeah, you know what, that motivates people. But once they get in the door, it's your actions that are going to keep them there or, or not. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, on the board of advisors for a small startup called great coach. And, and what we're trying to do is create a um, sort of a LinkedIn for a coaching world, right? Where basically every club, every coach could have a great coach profile. It's got all their certifications on it. It's got uh, you know, direct reporting to safe sport and things like that. Um, They can share articles, but you know, you as a tennis club could put up all your coaches and here's their great coach profile. And um, you can really say, Hey, this is a differentiator. Look at our coaches, look at their certification, look what people Say about them, um, because I think right now there's not this na- like. How do you know if you your kids' coach is a good coach?
0: It's word of you, mouth. You honestly. really don't. The
1: only thing, yeah. yeah, and the only thing you can look at is like is uh, results. Well, you know, they did have three national champions last year, so they must be doing something right. But do you go and sit in the stands and watch them coach and berate kids and make them cry, or do you just look at at that? So I think parents need to be responsible for making better choices of who we're allowing to mentor and coach and teach our kids. Um, and, and eventually there's going to be platforms, um, you know, the Angie's list of coaching, if you will, right. Where it's like, okay, this person truly is a vetted and a good coach. And, um, I don't know, you know, hopefully great coach is part of it because there's good people behind it and they're really trying to make a difference and we need, a place where sort of a one-stop shopping for how do I learn about this person that I'm entrusting with my child? Because right now, that's really, really hard information to find.
0: Absolutely. So, when is Great Coach going to be available?
1: It's it's out there right now, but like any um, any uh, online community, you know, right now it's it's not quite big enough to have this effect. But if Mm -hmm. every tennis club in Southern California had their coaches on great coach and really invested in it, then all of a sudden it's like, huh. So, you know, part of our, um, you know, strategy has been reaching out to some, you know, like soccer is a behemoth, right? Tennis, I don't know. I don't know the tennis numbers, but it's really big. But we've started to, you know, try to do some work in the skiing world or the fencing world or some sports where there's a a small, finite group of coaches. Can we get every USA fencing coach on here? And then this becomes the place where we go to differentiate and and grow from there. And, you know, obviously there's been a lot of things going on, you know, with U.S. Olympic Committee through gymnastics and stuff. And so we've had a few stop starts because of changes of leadership and direction that have made it a little bit tough Mm -hmm. (laughs) but what I love about our platform is it's nice and it's easy to use but I think what I also love is that the people behind it they did this to make a difference they know it's necessary and if we can um, you know if someone else came along and, and did this well we'd be sad but we'd be happy that someone did it better than us.
0: (laughs) At least it's getting done. Yeah. So I mean, it's getting done. Right. So we'll definitely have a link to that in the show notes for this on parentingaces.com. So for the coaches out there or the club owners or the parents that have an in with the coaches and club owners, take a look and see if this is something that you can share and get the word out about. I think that's great. This is the first I'm hearing of it, John. So thank you for bringing that up. And, yeah, um, sure. I'll All be I'll excited. Bill,
1: Bill Carrig, he's wonderful. And, um, you know, his previous one was, uh, um, it was a, a platform called Rally Me. Um, There's a good tennis analogy, but it yeah. was basically used by um, a lot of Olympic athletes um, of these non revenue sports who needed to raise $20,000, $50,000 a year just to be able to train. And so they created this fundraising platform that athletes could use and it was, it was bought by sports engine or something like that, but it was a really cool thing, you know? And and so Bill has been for many years and like, how can we help athletes have a better experience? Um, And, and then he, you know, he said like, what's the biggest thing because he's a hockey coach too, Uh, right? So he's like, how do I know that my kid has a good coach? That's crazy that I can't find that out.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Well, I mean, we have the same challenge in tennis for sure. And, you know, I've done a million podcasts about how to find the right coach for your kid. I've written articles about it, but there's, you're right. There's not been a place to go. And it sounds like you and he are kindred spirits. So I'll be excited Mm -hmm. for you to connect us.
1: I will. I'm sure you'll love them. Yeah.
0: yeah cool well we're coming to the end of our hour and I would be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about every moment matters where people can buy it and um, how they can get a hold of you
1: yeah sure so definitely you changing the game is the the mothership of all things that we do so if you go there you'll find our blog uh, you'll probably get a pop-up that lets you just subscribe to our, what we call our Wednesday wisdom. So every Wednesday we share interesting articles that we're reading or our latest podcast, which comes out every Monday or different things that we're offering. Um, and you can subscribe to the podcast there. You can find out all the other stuff that uh, we're doing. And and of course, buy a book there, but you can also buy both books on uh, Amazon or um Amazon shipping a little slow on April 2nd here when we're talking. So I've been sending some people to Barnes and Noble um, or some other platforms, international people, book depositories, really cool because they don't charge for shipping. And um, and it's uh, yeah. So, yeah, all the places you normally get books, that's where you can find it. Um, Every Moment Matters doesn't have the audio version yet. Um, I was going to be in the studio right now and that got canceled. So I'm trying to figure out how to get some studio time so I can create the audio version of the book. But right now you can get a print copy and you can get a Kindle, you know, a, a, a electric book copy as well. So uh, yeah, I hope and on your coaches listening, uh, I think they'll find it uh, interesting and helpful because it covers all sports. It's certainly not a soccer book.
0: No, it is not. And in fact, I've even given it to my husband, who has his own law firm and said, you need to read this as the managing partner of a business. And you are going to learn some stuff about how to communicate with your staff. And I just I you know, I would I was reading the book and I I'd, I'd yelled to him, Oh, my God, you have to hear this. And I'd read him a passage. So I, <laughs> oh, it's good. It's really, really well written, John. And very digestible um, and just so chock full of just gems of wisdom. I thank you so much for taking the time to write it. And thank you for coming back on the podcast. And And I know, you know, time is, we all have seem to have a lot of it, but it's also really precious right now. I think we're all realizing how important it is to spend this time with the people we love. So thank you for taking time away from your household and, and talking with all of us.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. Thanks for your great work. And it's been fun to follow your journey um, through, you know, through your podcast and, and your, your physical moves as well back to California and all that. Uh, um, For a lot of years now, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy because you were definitely one of the first people I connected with early on in the process. And you helped me get my foot into the uh, tennis world, which I greatly appreciate.
0: Well, I love that. I I hope that you and your family stay well through all this and that we all emerge a better youth sports community once this is all over with. And certainly the work you're doing with Changing the Game Project will contribute heavily to that. So I encourage our listeners to check that out if they haven't already. John, thank you so much. And I look forward to talking again soon.
1: Yes, me too. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you. And to my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey,